Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Fluffy bread, fresh tortillas, classic burger buns, and so many carbs. Carb fear is real, but Hero Bread makes healthier versions of the carb-heavy favorites we love the most. We're talking fewer calories, 0 to 2 grams net carbs, 0 grams of sugar, and seriously great taste. Plus more of the dietary fiber and protein you want. No compromise. Don't skip out on your favorites. Just use Hero Bread. Get 10% off your order at Hero.co with code Hero10 at checkout. That's Hero10 at H-E-R-O C-O. And now, it's time for Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast. I'm Jesse Gaskell. I'm a writer at The Conan Show, Conan at Home, Conan at Largo. I'm Mike Sweeney, also a writer on Conan at Largo, although we're just calling you Conan. But it does add credits to my resume. I appreciate that part of it. <laughs> That's very smart. Sweeney, we just got to watch the writers of Conan do a stand-up show over Zoom. Comedy club called Flappers and Burbank. That was a great show. Very funny. Yeah, it was so much fun. I was really curious to see what a Zoom comedy show was like. I haven't... Have you attended no, any of No, I'm those? ashamed to say I haven't. I always used to say parking was the excuse, but I guess it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was really easy. You just log into Zoom and you can either be visible or not visible. It was fun to get out of the house <laughs> via Zoom last night. Yeah, there was still a two drink minimum here. So you were drinking something and I was like, were you drinking wine or what were you enjoying last yeah, night? Yeah, I was drinking a night, a crisp rosé. I like that. That was perfect. Very nice. Yeah, it paired with my Blue Apron meal. <laughs> oh my God, our lives are sad. Anyway, we have a really fun guest this week. We do. I can't believe we got her. It's the second newest writer on our show because we actually just hired another new writer. We, th we thought we'd give him a little time to settle in before we <laughs> put him on the spot. Yes, yes, yes. But this is Glenn Buzan, who started with us last fall. She has a great resume. She'd written for Lights Out with David Spade, I Love You America with Sarah Silverman. And Adam Ruins Everything. Yeah, she had a lot of great stories and a lot, I thought she had a lot of great advice. Yeah. So here's Glenn. We're here with Glenn Buzan. <laughs> Hi, Glenn. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Glenn. Hi, Sweeney. Hi, this nice feels very you. formal all of a sudden. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Even though we talk to you most days, right? Yeah, we do. Glenn, you used to be the newest baby writer and you're I no know. longer the baby anymore because we just know. a new writer. I know. Now I'm throwing little tantrums because I'm not getting as much attention. Right. <laughs> yes. So I've gone. Yeah, you have so, been acting out. Yeah, I've gone back to bedwetting for attention. You wrote a joking email that, yes, you're now <laughs> a joking company wide email. <laughs> I know. I do forget how many people are on that 
mm-hmm. company wide that is it's one email address sent to maybe 200 people. Yes. <laughs> I totally forget. All like, the employees ah. past and present. <laughs> yes. Now they all know a way to needle you and, <laughs> and you served it up to them on a silver platter. I did. That's good. But you are still relatively new. It feels new. Everyone feels very new at at Conan for a long time. Yes. Yeah. I still feel like, you know, Tinder hooks. I I feel like I'm on probation (laughs) all the time. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to get fired any moment. Right. So how, yes. When did you start? Uh, Time just flows. I have, you may have been here five years or five months. September, I think. October's. Uh, 2019. No, 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 October because I dressed up as Matt O'Brien for Halloween. Uh, oh, the head writer. Yes, I did. So, what did that involve? Just a boring shirt and boring pants, and, and I did. I curly hair wig. <laughs> no, I, I really did the bare minimum. I wore a button-down shirt in my front pocket, carried around two tool tickets for a tool concert. <laughs> oh. He yeah. is a real tool head. <laughs> I know. And it's I just, all in the details. <laughs> yeah, it was spot-on impression. <laughs> sure. Well, that's pretty bold for a new writer. Yeah. Were you like, I'm? this is either going to cement my place here in Conan history or I'll get fired? I guess I didn't think about it that much. <laughs> Maybe I'd been there for a month already because Matt razzed me. So I was like, oh, fuck, this is like a, a razzy environment. Cool. Awesome. And it was such a little costume. I should have gone meaner, honestly, looking back. <laughs> I don't know what else you could add to that costume. It's, he's pretty bare bones. I know. Shirt and, <laughs> yeah. and, jeans. And, just, and the tool yeah. tickets. <laughs> yeah, that's the only Complete. thing that distinguished me from him. Right. From me. <laughs> you could also go around telling people the meeting is canceled. Yes. <laughs> That's that's a head writer classic. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) things come up and uh, you got to push the meeting. How did that feel when he took over? Were you just like, oh, great, or were you like, how did you feel when that happened? I I I was a head writer for a really long time, for fifteen years, and when I finally stopped doing it, yeah, it it felt great. (laughs) Like I've I've filled in for him a few times when he has to, you know, some personal matter comes up or tools Mm -hmm. in town. And uh, you can't run the show. And I have to say, it's like one day of doing it, I'm just like, oh, God, this is the worst job ever. I could never do it for more than a week. It's so good. Wait, Sweeney, you did it yesterday and you canceled the meeting beautifully. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I like a pro. Yeah, it was a really great cancellation of the meeting. I thought it was wonderful. Do you like the way I waited till the possible last yes. minute. Can- Some people were already in the meeting. Groomed, when you people canceled. got yes. groomed for it and put yes. on their, their Zoom writers meeting clothing. <laughs> and that's when I, that's when I strike. <laughs> well, so Glenn, you, it, it's probably still fairly fresh in your mind, I guess. Uh-huh. But maybe you could walk us through the, what the hiring process was like and submitting to Conan. Oh gosh. It was unlike any other. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait, um, is that, is that true? No, not really. It, well, it was more chill than it. I mean, right. so I was unemployed at the time. I think I applied in like January. Yeah. So I guess I didn't have a job at the time. It was January. Well, what had been your most recent comedy writing job before that? I had wor- been working freelance for a 12-year-old singing ventriloquist who had won America's Got Talent. And I had been re- ghostwriting jokes for her tour. Oh, oh my God. It. That's fantastic. She was on tour. From- her name is Darcy Lynn. And she's a blonde, cute little girl from Oklahoma who's also a ventriloquist. I think she won the X Factor America's Got Talent, one of those. I was contributing jokes to her Christmas special, I think, at the time. I just got off that. 
<laughs> yes. Contributing. So she had a team of writers. I think it was me and a couple of, the, I really, it was really freelance. Like, yeah. What was your stick? I mean, when you're 12, what kind <laughs> of jokes could you make? <laughs> so not the kind puberty, that I'm yes, good at writing. <laughs> yeah. Right. They had to be very G rated. Sure. Um, I think the most, flavor you were allowed to write like she was on whatever the x factor thing she was on heidi klum was a judge uh-huh. i remember there was one joke i still don't know which show that is <laughs> i know i don't either she has one joke where she does she's a mouse puppet who's like very shy but like has a crush on people i think is his like he's like a nerd in love very he very easily falls in love during the X Factor, he had some joke about like, he was always hitting on Heidi Klum and he was like, why wouldn't you want to date a mouse? You've already dated a seal. <laughs> so that was like, oh, that was kind of the most blue you can go. But did someone write that joke for her? I mean, I think she kind of writes some of her own jokes, but like, there's no way a 12 year old remembers when Heidi Klum dated Seal. So yeah. I have to imagine or that Or even was... has ever heard of Seal. I know, yeah. Wow, so oh. that was not the answer I expected to the job that you no. had before this. Right, well, so that was that was the job that I had when I applied. Yeah. And that was like very experience. And then I got, and then- Were it... you, did you have to consider whether you would leave that job to come to Conan if you got hired? <laughs> no, that was not. There were like truly maybe six months where I didn't hear back about the packet I had submitted. So I had another job in between. That was just the job I had when I submitted. I had a totally different job after that. I think that we got like four or 500 submissions. So then Matt started reading them all and realized that he wasn't going to be able to fill it that year. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, which is crazy that, because usually for jobs I've gotten previously, the packets are sometimes read by like, producers who are like non-creative producers, right. like semi-creative producers. And then p- those piles are passed on. So, which is sca- as a writer, that's scary <laughs> where it's yeah. like, Oh, somewhat not the writer. So it's crazy to me and very cool that Matt like took the time to read all of them personally. He read every 10th submission <laughs> <laughs> and you happen to be, yes. but that number of 400 submissions is, is insane. I think the most prior to that was around 150 maybe for a oh, job wow. or between that and 200. So I this think is, when I got hired, there was yeah. one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're in. <laughs> if you're willing to do it, we'll take you. Right. <laughs> right. Please, please. <laughs> Wait, so you had an, a, a whole nother job. What was the yes, other job? Yes, because there were six months in between. Yeah, right, so right. the other job I wrote for Lights Out with David Spade, rest in peace, uh, the show, not not Spade. <laughs> He's still alive. <laughs> As of this taping. Right. As of this, yeah. Yeah, I worked on that and I did leave that job for um, Conan. But that show is no longer around, so... I guess Sounds like you made the right choice. <laughs> I guess I don't feel too bad. It was a fun show to work on, but yeah. I, I, uh, yeah, was that tough to have to quit? I mean, how long had you been at the show when you put in your notice? Yeah, so I had been there for about, oh gosh, two, three months, I think. Um, it was the first season. We were maybe halfway done. I'm somebody who, there's like a lazy river of guilt running through my body at all times, <laughs> just sort of. Good like shame and guilt for disappointing people or the possibility of disappointing people. <laughs> so, cause Conan was very nice and he was like, look, I don't want to poach you from another show. And I was like, well, I love the Conan, the show and I'd loved his work for a long time. So I was like, no, I'd really love to work for you and I'd like to go. And so my manager was like, well, you have to call the head writer 
of spade and asking yourself. And I was like, Oh God, I was, can you do it? I know. I was like, (laughs) isn't that why I pay you? (laughs) But because I respected the head writer and I think he thought he was really great. And I was like, Oh, and he was kind of like this father figure on the show too. Cause he was this like kind of razzy sort of like old, old, he's not old, but like this like Italian dad type, which like, I was like, Oh, he reminds me of my dad. And like, I don't want to disappoint him. And so I had to like, Oh my God. I think it's heavier in my head because the head writer was so cool about it. His name is Frank. And he was super, super cool about it. And he was like, good luck on your journey. Like you're going to have a long career, like blah, blah, blah. He was very supportive. So I was like shaking, dialing the phone. (laughs) You mentioned that Conan, you talked to Conan when the job was offered to you. Was that? No, I I didn't meet Conan. I still had my job. So I took a day off and I left, (laughs) I took an interview with Matt um, O'Brien and just, we just kind of sat in his office and he was just like, Hey, like, what's your deal? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Oh, that's my deal. It was like 20 minutes. Seemed cool. And then I left and didn't meet anybody else. And I don't think I then heard back for a couple weeks. Yeah, it was a very easy interview. So did you think that you had gotten the job after the interview? I don't know what I thought. I think I, I it was kind of that like set it and forget it kind of mentality because I had applied so long ago. You were probably ready for another seven months to go by. <laughs> yeah, I think I was like, this will ne- I'll never hear back. Yeah, yeah. I think I just didn't think about it at all, which is weird for me, but they called and my manager's like, they want to offer you the job. And I was like, Oh my God. And then immediately my excitement was like, but they don't want to give it to you because you already work at Spade. So they are going to uh, hire somebody else. <laughs> that is the, the, I mean, the, it's always <laughs> been, Oh, we can't take someone from another if they already have a job. Cause it's the term you use is called poaching. And yeah, it's generally not considered cool. So I'm yeah. sure when he called you, he didn't know. He probably thought you were still working for the ventriloquist. (laughs) Oh, they didn't mind poaching from her. (laughs) Right, exactly. Yeah, she's 12. She's underage. I had a similar Um, situation when I got hired at Conan where I was working on another show and I had just started there and had to quit. Yeah. Wow, you had just started? (laughs) Well, it was, I just started the season two and, you know, it just was like everyone was making plans for the whole season and then I I had to quit. What show was that again? It was uh, Hello Ross. It was Ross <gasps> Matthews' talk show on oh. E. It was very fun to work there. But oh, yeah, I I felt really guilty. Was there a big delay between when you submitted? I don't remember. Between when you submitted and you got a Yeah, it was call. a few months, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not as long as Glenn. Sometimes like um, people would submit monologue submissions. You know, we have writers who just concentrate on monologue. And there would be a couple of pages of topical jokes and when the a job position would come up, you'd be reading jokes that were over a year old. And you'd <laughs> yes, literally, right. you could tell when they, even without looking at the date, you'd be like, oh, this this was a year ago, January, because, yeah. you know, yeah. Prince Andrew was in the news or whatever. Yeah. Coney 2012. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Coney. <laughs> so, Glenn, what was the first time that you met Conan? Do you remember that? It was before the first writer's meeting or after? I can't remember. I think I was in Matt O'Brien's office just talking and then Conan came in and he was like, hey, nice to meet you. And then I think he was like trying to figure out what my riff would be. <laughs> he was like, what's your deal? Who are you? What's what's going on? What's uh, What do you like to do? What do you do? He was trying to figure out who I was so he could make fun of me appropriately. <laughs> Did he come up with a riff for you? First of it was that I was young, was which I'm like, oh, I'm younger than him, but I'm not. Skylar's younger than me now so that should be his thing scholars yeah. new writer but what was it after that oh that i remind him of ruth buzzy was one for a minute 
Which is an old character. For those of you born after 1958. <laughs> Glenn, do you remember what your the first sketch you wrote that got on the air was? Yes, I do. It was, oh my God, it was the dumbest thing. It was one of the dumbest things I've ever written. It was, um, <laughs> it was a story of, there was a story in the news about like a priest, a Scottish priest found like a, a, treasure pot of gold underneath a Catholic church in, in Scotland. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's the most Scottish thing I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) And then the church of Scotland sued him. And so the premise was like, I wonder what that law firm was like, this is the most Scottish case I've ever heard. And so it was just an ad for a Scottish law firm that was just like people who was Scottish. It was really funny. I remember. Thank you. And that came, I feel like you wrote that like on your second day on the job. It happened really quickly in my memory. Oh, yes, yeah, you I seemed very that. relaxed right away it, in, oh, in a great in a great way. I was, I was like, has she been working here two years already? <laughs> Just very at home. Well, I have to say you, the writers and the whole team, especially the writers, are very warm and welcoming. And that's the thing I noticed about the Conan room that was different is like, in a lot of rooms, there's kind of like an undercurrent of like, everybody's got to get something on and a little bit like a every person for themselves sort of mentality, like not overtly, but a little bit, maybe like I'm going to get fired fear or like, but this staff in particular is very supportive when another person does well. I really, really was pleasantly surprised by that when I, when I first started working here. Well, it's all, it's very selfish really when you think about it. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> right. Because, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, a, a slot was filled on the show. <laughs> right. So, maybe, no, Ooh, I don't let's keep right. encouraging yeah. that person so I <laughs> yeah. can do less work. I know. Yeah. It's a really high tides float all boats mentality. <laughs> it, it's a very advanced uh, approach when you think about it. It's it's a kind of manipula- manipulation. Yes. I appreciate it as a new yes. writer. <laughs> And it's, I think it's also, we all have to bond against Conan. So we, yes, because he, the fellow prisoners, exactly. He's going to get us. Oh, that's nice. That's nice yeah, to hear. That is nice to hear. I was yeah. very grateful for that. Yeah. You guys were and are awesome. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places. Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at the coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Fluffy bread, fresh tortillas, classic burger buns, and so many carbs. Carb fear is real. But Hero Bread makes healthier versions of the carb-heavy favorites we love the most. We're talking fewer calories, 0 to 2 grams net carbs, 0 grams of sugar, and seriously great taste. Plus more of the dietary fiber and protein you want. No compromise. Don't skip out on your favorites. Just use Hero Bread. Get 10% off your order at Hero.co with code Hero10 at checkout. That's Hero10 at H-E-R-O dot C-O. I think some people are also surprised to hear, like with the monologue jokes on the show, like we, we have, you know, great monologue writers, but when oh, Conan sees the jokes, there are no initials on them. And and that's also so writers aren't in that mindset you're talking about where, oh God, I'm going to get fired. Because 
that can really mess with your mind. And it's kind of like, I mean, obviously no one ever stops worrying about, oh God, I'm going to get, you know, fired. But, right. but, but just <laughs> knowing a host is reading the jokes, not going, oh, this, you know, so-and-so's initials aren't on here today. Because uh, the other theory is everyone has good days and bad days. So, yeah. y- you know, it's to cut everyone a little slack. That's so, it's that to me also just engenders more like creative thinking yeah. like so much better than the punitive, like sort of like, well, I, you only got five mono jokes in last month. Like you better keep it up. It's like, ne- that's never right. Some places operate mm-hmm. like that. And the same thing with the sketch most. ideas, the head writer, it was a tradition going back, I guess, to the beginning, maybe is, or for the most part is not saying who wrote the, the idea. Oh, I really like that. Us not oh, like I love pitch that. our yes. own sketches. Have you worked on shows, Glenn, where you had to, Come in and pitch your own sketches. Every show, Normally, other show every other show. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, like you had to do it yourself in the room. They would usually put it up on a screen and like read the paragraph out loud of your pitch, or you would just go around the room and just say it. I feel like we've been spoiled. I know. It's oh, a good skill to learn to that be is. able to uh, defend your own work in that way. Oh boy. Yeah. That's you a also, whole set of armor that it's, it's uh, also funny. Cause you realize like sometimes there are writers who on the page are the funniest person in the room, but mm-hmm. when they pitch, they're not very funny verbally. Right. And you just can't get the idea across. And so, mm-hmm. and then there's some people who are very funny verbally, but they can't write a sketch to save their life. And so it's, the, so you'll end up getting a lot of ideas past that are like, not that. <laughs> so they don't, the, the, even, even if it's really funny on paper, if the person's shy about presenting it, that kills it. Oh, a lot of times. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's a good skill to have. And, and if you're going to be in any other room that you'll need to, to do that. But right. I've noticed with our, the way we do it is to me, it feels like very equally, every writer gets almost the exact amount of stuff on. So like, it's like, there's no, I I haven't noticed a trend of like, oh, this one writer always gets stuff on and this other writer doesn't like, it's like exactly one week, like Dan will get a lot of stuff on and one week, Jesse will get a lot of stuff on. And like, it's very, it seems very balanced. It Um, does seem really balanced. Uh, Yeah. There's uh, no dead weight for sure. No, I I feel like it's a really tight group Mm -hmm. where we're like, when we're all hanging out together, everyone, it's kind of an equal joking zone just in meetings as well just kind of yeah yeah it's funny because i've been on like not that my other jobs weren't bad but like i have had some bad jobs and so when people complain on this staff about like oh yeah we got it i'm like oh "Oh, i know and i know know i'm living it i feel so cushy (laughs) i really feel like the alley dog who like got adopted by a rich family and now it's (laughs) like oh i'm eating tuna tonight or whatever like i completely agree yeah anytime (laughs) anyone complains i'm like all right get get out there then (laughs) yes well you and you've written on a ton of shows. I mean, your resume oh. is amazing. Oh, thank you. you Maybe not on, a ton, but yeah, you wrote oh, on yeah. "I Love You, America" with Sarah Silverman. Sarah Silverman. Yeah. That was and really fun. Adam ruins everything. Mm-hmm. What was um, that? What Adam ruins everything? Did you have to? Doesn't he research kind of problems and and the whole half hours about what? So would you get involved in the research? Of yeah, that it's kind of educational. It, yeah. yeah, yeah, edutainment is what they yeah. call it. <laughs> yeah, so there was a, a set of writers and a set of researchers, and you would get paired up with a researcher for your episode. And um, you could do a little research if you want, and if you found something mm-hmm. particularly interesting. But the researcher was in charge of. I mean, I viewed each episode as a collaborate, a full fifty-fifty collaboration between the researcher and the writer. Like, I think the researchers should have gotten writing credit. They are, were incredible. And a lot of them were funny themselves. Like I worked with a researcher, sure. um, Kate Doyle, who was like just as funny as every other writer. And she like would write 
funny things like in this, she would give me funny metaphors and ideas and stuff. So um, Alison Silverman, who is a writer on late night, hmm. I think started out working on uh, who wants to be uh, a millionaire last year. She was nominated for five Emmy awards for five different shows. Wow. And, and she helped create the Colbert report when she left late night. Oh, well, there uh, you go. Yeah. But she started out, I think, or, or was she on jeopardy? I think it was who wants to be a millionaire. But anyway, oh, I started out writing for the E True Hollywood Story. So that's right. That's right. <gasps> oh my gosh. <laughs> also, <Wow>. research. <laughs> uh, well, Glenn, when you did you always know you wanted to be a comedy writer, or did did you have other different career paths before you arrived here? And and was your family always supportive? Yeah. Two um, yes, I think this is going to sound weird because I grew up in LA, so this shouldn't be a case. But I didn't really know that like comedy writer was a viable job. Like I didn't understand exactly how TV got made. I knew there were writers, but I was like, I don't know how I would like in my head to be a comedy writer. They just like took boys from Harvard from and just Harvard, yeah. them in a room, right. which is kind of, it's kind of true. But um, I thought that too, that was yeah. the thing for me. And so I didn't know what path I could possibly, and then I don't have, I didn't have family in the business to like help me or to give me advice and like how you would go about that. Right. So I didn't under, even understand what the path would be to a job like that. And so in high school, I wrote, I was in the theater program because there was no like theater writing program. I was like acting and stuff and doing plays. And I was like, this is kind of fun, but not exactly what I like, but it's the closest thing at school to what I like, but I didn't know it yet. And then I wrote some sketches for like a theater module we had. I was like, Ooh, I like this. What's this? This is fun. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then I went into college and I joined the improv team at my school and then I was like, oh, and we, then we started doing sketch and I was like, okay. And then I started learning about like UCB and IO and Second City and what that was. And I slowly started realizing, oh, this is a job I would want is to write comedy. And then halfway through, I went to Boston University wow. and then halfway through, I realized I was like, okay, wow, I really want to do comedy. I was studying psychology at the time, which if you're a basic brunette white girl, that is it's a very popular, yeah. it's mandatory to be a psych major. <laughs> that or communication. No blah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Communications right. are, are, I really, I was in a psych club, my psych 101, and I looked around and it was all women who looked exactly like me. And I went, <laughs> like, I got to get Future out of here. Future therapists. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right. I applied to this thing called the comedy studies program at uh, Columbia college. That was second city does this thing. I think it's still running called the comedy studies program where you get college credit for taking courses all about comedy. So sketch writing, directing, improv, physical comedy, history of comedy. Like it was the most fun I'd had at a school ever. And then after a semester of that, I, so during that semester, I applied to Parsons in New York. Oh, cause also around this time I, I realized that I was really into graphic design. Two things happened at once is I realized I wanted to live in New York and also I wanted to do graphic design and that that was my safe job. My graphic design was my like uh, your fallback. fallback. My yeah, fallback, yeah. yeah. But I also love doing it. So I was like, well, if I'm a graphic designer for the rest of my life, that's kind of fine. And graphic design, you can work in comedy. Like I worked in the art department for Broad City and I worked oh. at the art department for The Onion. So like I would design props and like props and paper goods. So like if you need like a fake liquor bottle in a scene. Right. And you have to like, you can't use like a Budweiser can. Like right. I would design like a beer that was legally usable or clearable or whatever. Right. Like it, a beer label. Is that called Greeking, Greeking something? Yes. I don't know. So, I don't know what the origin of that term is. Maybe using language you can't really read. So it's Greek to me sort of. I think so. It's an all Greek to me sort of. It's right. got to be that. Yeah. But yeah, so I would do that. I did that for a long time. Um, well, that's yeah. a cool path. I like that. I mean, it's so interesting always to hear how people ended up 
getting into writing. And it's nice too to have like, okay, you can be sort of adjacent in a, maybe a different segment of of television and then make that crossover. I think the thing, because a lot of people are adjacent, but never make a crossover to the thing they actually want to do. Like sometimes people are development people, but actually want to produce or sometimes people are, you know, producers, but actually want to like write or whatever. And I think the thing, because I was designing stuff, I was in the art department. And I think the thing I realized was that like to make the leap to the thing you want to do, like nobody's just going to come and ask you like, Hey, sorry, do you just want to come write? Like, no, like you have to just do the thing that you want to do and, and do that and, more. And let everyone know you want to do it. Yes. Right. Let everyone know you want to do it. And then if the place you're working at has no intention of hiring you to like, if they're always hiring from outside places or whatever, then I think it's up to you to be like, all right, I got to go somewhere else and to somewhere that will. Yeah. That's really, that's really great advice. I've heard that before. And I I had that experience. I was doing stand-up comedy and Mm -hmm. I was working at Caroline's comedy club in New York city and they had a comedy show and they had sketches on it. And I was the, the guy ran the club also produced the show. And I was like, well, he'll ask me, Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> to be a writer. And I just waited and waited. And then I was very disappointed. He never came. And I finally said to him, I said, Hey, could I submit to be a writer on, on that show? And he's like, Oh, you want to be a writer? And I'm uh-huh. like, it was a yes. whole different. Yeah. I have no idea. Like a cross, no, I just a sports be a crossover. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, but you do shot put. You want to do. Uh, okay. When up and coming writers ask me for advice and yeah. they do quite often. Of course. Well, this is, no. I'm glad you brought this up, Glenn, yeah. because we always end our shows by asking people right. to give advice. Oh my God. To yeah. someone who wants to do what you're doing. And now we don't so, have, have to ask yeah. the question. Yeah. So go ahead. So if someone wants to do what I'm doing, I say, turn back now. Don't <laughs> <laughs> find something else. No, um, the biggest thing, and I have a ton of advice, like, and I love to give it. The number you one just is- held up um, a cigarette in a long cigarette holder. <laughs> I did, yeah. <laughs> I'm in my house coat, my robe. <laughs> no, the one mistake I see a lot that drives me crazy is somebody who's, when you go to their website or go to their Twitter bio or their Instagram bio, it says like, Hey, I'm blank, a producer slash writer slash actor slash podcaster slash web designer slash, and they have all these slash CEO slash, I also can walk your dog or whatever. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. whoa, if I'm hiring for a show, the analogy I make all the time is like, if I'm looking to cut my steak, I'm not going to reach for a Swiss army knife. I'm going to reach for like a nice knife that is specifically meant for cutting steak. So like, if I'm looking for a writer, I'm going to be more hesitant to hire somebody who's like writer, producer, director, actor, ventriloquist, blah, blah, blah. Because (laughs) somebody who just wants to be a writer in my mind is doing writing more often and getting more experience in that thing and specializing themselves to do that and wants to do that more than the other things. Right. You take it more seriously at first. Yes. I think you can edit and direct and whatever. You can do all the things, but when you're marketing yourself in the public eye, because once you're a writer, once you're a director, once you're an actor, you can do all the other things if you want, like you can pivot and do that. But I think to me, you need to be specific in your goals. Yeah. And I think that also helps people to help you because it's really hard when you kind of put it all out there, like, I just want to be in entertainment or I, you know, I I just want to work in TV. It's, there's not enough specificity for people to remember to, refer you for things. But if you're like, I want to, I want to write for late night television, then if that job comes up, people will remember you. That's a good point. It's the, I, so they appreciate the focus 
I, yes. I think they want to think you're focused and, mm-hmm. and not just also some people are like, oh, I, I like being in show business. Yeah. Or I want to be famous. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, that, that, that underlines yeah. it too a little, which is scary. Do the research on the job you want and kind of gear towards that. Well, and cool. then dress like the head writer once you get hired. Yeah. <laughs> right. I know. That's such, set. such a ballsy move. I love it. Well, Glenn, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having it's me. It's really nice to chat with you. And hopefully we'll see you at the meeting later today. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Unless Wait, it's canceled. 90 minutes from now. <laughs> oh, is that? When is that? A couple? Was that a two? Uh, two o'clock, it's I think. It's a two, yeah. Okay. Well. Unless it gets pushed the way Jesse mentioned. <laughs> All right, I'll see you tomorrow at four. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay, that was Glenn Buzan. (laughs) No, that was fun. We have a uh, listener question. We do, yeah. From someone named Jed. Jed P., just to distinguish from the other Jeds. I haven't heard the name Jed in a while. Here's... What Jed wrote, hi, Jesse and Mike, two exclamation marks. (laughs) I love the podcast, two exclamation marks. Lifelong fan of Conan and therefore you as well. I didn't know it worked that way, but sure. I've really enjoyed being able to go back in the archives. And also I've found old recordings of the show, taking trips down memory lane with bulletproof legs. These are all characters. Wrist Hulk, Bill Clinton interviews, the Hurricane interview. I think we interviewed a hurricane once and the eye talked and even more recent characters like wiki bear. What are some of your favorite characters or sketches that made you laugh out loud? Cheers. Jed. He's British. Or he loves the show. Cheers. Uh, Jesse, any favorite characters? I mean, I love all of Andre Dubachet's characters. He's kind of like Phil Hartman-esque where the second he pops up on screen, you're just like, oh. Okay, get ready to laugh. Yeah. But I love the uh, the Wahlburgers guy. I think his name is Leslie, actually. That was revealed in a later sketch. There are uh, multiple installments, but basically at the height of the popularity of Game of Thrones, this guy would appear in the audience dressed in like full uh, Night's Watch garb. And talk about how he was very excited about something headed our way. It starts with a W and it's Wahlburgers. Turned out he was a huge fan of the show Wahlburgers, which is the reality show about Mark Wahlberg's family's burger restaurant. Anything Andre's in is great. What about you? Anything come to mind? Yeah, no, there's so many characters over the years. I was thinking about one that I always loved. It was deliberately nonsensical on purpose. And I think it's one a writer, Andrew Weinberg, came up with. And it was called Cactus Chef playing Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire on Flute. (laughs) Six foot tall. We we actually had it sculpted. I don't know. it, It just made me laugh every time. But you know what? It made me think there are all these great props that were made for the old show. And I'm wondering, Yeah, I mean, obviously they're the property of NBC, but I wonder if they're in Indiana Jones warehouse somewhere and someone could try to rescue them. Maybe that could be a remote on the show, a, a, a heist story. There's another one I thought of. We did rejected Star Wars characters. It was characters cut from a Star Wars movie in like 2005. And one of them was Jabba the Foxworthy. It was Jabba the Hutt. We had this beautiful Jabba the Hutt modeled and made with 
Jeff Foxworthy's hair and, and a, a Jeff Foxworthy mustache. He did stand up about, you know, you're a hut if <laughs> there's one character Conan hated and it he always still brings it up. It's called um, Reverend Otis K. Dribbles, which is uh, John Glazer dressed in a, like a, a rubber hound's dog mask and dressed below the neck as a reverend and he would <laughs> dribble a basketball but immediately the ball would just fall down and roll away and it lasted <laughs> six seconds i think we did it three or four times and every time conan did it under duress he hated it he goes there's no reason for that to exist <laughs> but there is a reason for cactus chef <laughs> exactly that well that would be it's all arbitrary it's so arbitrary it's so arbitrary what's the origin of bulletproof legs that jed mentioned oh yeah there's so many great characters that brian mccann did and one of them was bulletproof legs you know the whole story is it's a man who's comes out and sings a song about how you can't hurt him because his legs are bulletproof and then he's immediately shot in the chest and dies that's that's the whole bit <laughs> I mean, a lot of those things happened after 10 p.m. because we were there till midnight and people were just throwing food around the room. And I'm sure he just stood up and started doing the character. And then the head writer would just approve something so everyone could leave. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We needed for the next day. A lot of these feel like comedy Mad Libs. Like you could just put a list of nouns into a, a bowl. Shh. Yeah. <laughs> well, that could mean anyone could do it. Anyone could cook these wacky <laughs> characters up. Well, that's our show. We love hearing from you all. And you can email us at insideconanpod at gmail.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail at 323-209-5303. Yes, we still have not had anyone call in and breathe heavily. That we know of. Well, that was fun. Thank you all for listening. And we'll be back next week. And bye-bye. We like you. Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast, is hosted by Mike Sweeney and me, Jesse Gaskell. Produced by Jen Samples. Engineered and mixed by Will Beckton. Supervising producers are Kevin Bartelt and Aaron Blayart. Executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco. And Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Earwolf. Thanks to Jimmy Vivino for our theme music and interstitials. You can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. And of course, please subscribe and tell a friend to listen to Inside Conan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or whatever platform you like best. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. 